so I guess my first question and uh, and probably the broadest question uh, is Jesse what is Kill em All? Uh, Kill em All some would consider crime drama you know with sporadic moments of action or thriller uh, with some of the storylines but um, the way I always like to describe uh, Kill Em All, it is a, uh, uh, a modern-day crime drama mobile series, um, specifically focused on uh, mobile device users, um, and through the the power of entertainment and um, film and television, uh, was able to write something uh, that meant quite a bit to me uh, story-wise, which is kind of a, a, a modern-day mobster, mafia, organized crime um, style of, of, of production. And uh, Kill Em All uh, started out in Kansas City. Um, I'm from Kansas City, and historically, Kansas City was um, birthed and raised and you know nurtured by the hands or with help of the hands of the organized crime, um, and it's just uh, it it for so long has been um, something of um, urban legend or folklore, yeah. um, and not until two thousand eight or nine, I think. Um, uh, a, a documentary uh, director. Um, Oh gosh, he's gonna kill me. Terrence O'Malley yes. did Black Hand Straw Man. Yes, mm -hmm. which which I saw is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Which is a you know, in my opinion, from what I had seen, the first real life story of Kansas City and its regard, you know, regarding organized crime. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it told a story from the turn of the century to the '60s or '70s, mid '80s, mid '80s, where you know. Uh, where a lot of, of, of history in Kansas City um, transpired and, and then affected the nation politically, you know, yeah. um, with bootlegging, alcohol, uh, you know, uh, produce, gambling, uh, you know, the, the red light district, things like that. Uh, back to the story of Kill Em All, it's the story of a, a son of an Irish gangster who after the demise of his brother by the hands of the modern-day Kansas City Sicilian Mafia. Um, he's on a, 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 to say the least, a plot for vengeance and murder uh, to, to virtually take them all out. And I think, um, you know, with a modern-day twist on a, an old story told over and over again, I think it, it gives uh, the mobile audience, in my opinion, um, a, a fresh new you know, kind of thing to watch on their smartphone or their iPad while they're on the subway, headed to work, or on lunch, or on the toilet, or whatever. Yeah. You know, this is very bite-sized entertainment, what we've created to this point. Mm -hmm. And we started, you know, with this small um, digital format platform because we built it organically, you know, and... and uh, I came back from Los Angeles in, in uh, December 2012, and, and uh, myself, and at the time, the director, Sean Wright, who was um, a long-time camera department professional in Kansas City uh, industry and commercial market. Very good friend of Liquid Lines as well. And, and we teamed up. We both went to the same high school, and it, it just happened through press and social media that we hooked up. I got back in town and, and wanted to start a story um, and, and build something that could not only enhance my, my future as an actor at the time, um, but also uh, after 16 years of songwriting, turn those songs into scripts virtually and tell these nice. short stories about a subject that was really um, desirable to me because I was a big fan of, you know, all the mobster movies, Goodfellas, Casino, uh, even Sopranos and uh, The Wire. Um, I, I think it, it definitely has elements of all that in it. And it, it's been really fun. 
hope I it's fun to watch. You're oh tank. God, it's yeah. it's really fun to watch. And and I have to say <clears throat> the uh, the the format, like I say, the bite size format. I I personally just think it's brilliant. It's you know, like I say, for today's you know consumer of uh, entertainment and and, and and media, it's really perfect. You know, just an episode that's you know eight minutes or ten minutes. You know, you like I say, no matter where you are, or what you're doing, if you've got a few minutes, you can follow this story of. Uh, Carson McCullough, the, the the lead character, which actually takes me to my next question: Who is Carson McCullough? Very good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to go back to my 16 years in the independent music realm as a songwriter performer because uh, a lot of um, Things from that life transfer over very easily hmm. to what I'm doing with the web series. And first and foremost was be the most seen, make the most noise, you know, uh, hit the streets and the public with everything you got promotionally, market your story. Amen. That's how I really, you know, uh, think that, in my opinion, the, the show began to do so well. And continues to have momentum is because um, you know, promotionally it's it's just so grassroots it's so fun to follow in my opinion because yeah. uh, it deals with not only something that's um, historic but I, I think that a lot of people could relate just to, to some of the characters and some of the real life uh, situations that could play out yeah uh, that maybe some of the stories could um, <coughs> could hit on now Carson McCullough, maybe he's a small part of my <laughs> inner self, <laughs> but you know, it's, um, Carson McCullough is a family guy, you know, unfortunately his parents were mobsters, him and his brother began, you know, became mobsters and that's the life that he knew, you know, hard knock life and, and when his, his, basically his entire family's taken out by thugs and gangsters, what else is he going to do? You know, he's not going to just turn over. He's he doesn't gotta, seem like the turnover type of guy. <laughs> if you've seen the show, he is not. <laughs> Definitely uh, not. You know, not to turn over, not to turn the other cheek. Writing it was really fun, and, and, and there's something that a lot of people don't know, um, except for those that are close to the story, uh, is that um, uh, Carson McCullough? McCullough is actually my mother's maiden name. Ah, oh. so that's my you know half of my family's name is McCullough. Uh, uh, my older dead brother in the series, Clinton McCullough. Clinton's actually my older brother's name. Mm. Too bad for him. But <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's a lot of that's um, homage to family. Yeah, there, there's a lot of real life kind of similarities it, it's crazy uh we've got a uh, carson has a, a sister-in-law you know widow of his, of his dead brother named kate mccullough kate was my grandmother's name and if you compare pictures of killer our kate. killer kate of our of our uh our co-star kirsten kluver in episode mm -hmm. two of season one yeah um i gets a little creepy but her wardrobe and hairstyle and image and look like this, if you compare those pictures to a picture of my mother mm. in the late 70s, you'd think they were sisters or twins or, you know. Oh, wow. The, uh, so just a lot of fun facts in that regard that kind of, uh, along with songwriting, you know, um, although I, I've began writing other things, um, you know, my passion uh, in the passion at the moment is, is kill them all. Kill them all Kansas City, kill them all Los Angeles. Um, and so with songwriting, real life plays into the storyline, always. 
It doesn't even have to be mine. It could be somebody else's life. It could be a story I heard about somebody else. Yeah. But always inspired by real life. Right, right. Which makes, you know, uh, it kind of cool being in the, the, the whole organized crime realm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had people ask me, well, didn't this really happen? Yeah. Well, it, it, it feels... Allegedly. I think that's, that's, I think the thing that I liked the most about the show, it felt like this, this could really be happening you know, around the corner from just, you know, kind of normal people's lives. And this is just around the corner. Sure. It doesn't feel far away at all. It feels like you might have run across this guy. He might have been in, in line in front of you at the, you know, at the gas station sure. or, or something like that. And it's like, it, 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 it has such a, a familiar and feeling. You don't have to, I don't think you have needed to have led that kind of life to feel the how real it feels when sure. you watch the show. Thank you, I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I, I have a weird question, which is, uh, the production value on it is exceptionally good. And here you go, well, it's in Kansas City and it's grassroots and all this, which to a lot of people might sound low budget and maybe amateurish, but when you watch it, it's not at all. The production value is exceptionally no. high and you surround yourself with great people uh, both here and in Los Angeles. I'm wondering how as a guy who did not grow up in a film world, who grew up in a music world, how did you make all these connections? Because you have incredible people working on the set, you have incredible actors, you have all this amazing talent. How did this all come together like that? Uh, I, I would completely agree with you. Uh, in Kansas City, uh, our film crew, production crew, I mean a list it, or truly you know, of, of Kansas City um, film or television production teams. I, I got really fortunate that way. Um, and I owe that, be, to be honest with you, with um, you know uh, season one I've had and, and half of season two director Sean Wright mm -hmm. and, and co-producer. Um, when I said, hey, I'm, I want to do this, this, this story, let's do this story, let's do the show, I'll write it, I'll act in it, you know, I'll produce it, but all the production stuff, Take the, ball. Take. Take the ball. Take the ball. Let's let's see what we come up with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And with every production, especially with production with very low budget or no budget at times, sometimes it's you get what the dealer gives you. You know what I mean? So there's there's always times when when there's there's weaker uh, weaker links or you know what I mean things like that. People fall off all the time. But for, to say to keep it real. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and I appreciate the, um, the compliment. I would agree that the production value uh, came out really superior, in my opinion, to a lot of similar formats for the short series or web series formats. I would just say this guy who does production for a living, there, there was not a weak link in, in the series for me. I thought the production value was exceptionally good. All the, and, and maybe Sean does have a lot to do. He has a lot of connections and everything, but he rounded up some amazing people. Sure. And I would imagine that the two of you sold them in sure. on the project and, and got enough exceptionally good people to believe in this project that now it's really, it well, feels like it has so many legs to it now. And I guess, I guess I, I didn't really answer your question. Your question was, how did I get all these people involved? <laughs> and, you know... Uh, Way to go, Sean. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to uh, honestly, once again, to, to kind of keep it real, I, 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 I force myself to meet people, to network, to shake hands, to, to, to talk about what I'm interested in and find out what they're interested in, and, and maybe we can develop a relationship professionally uh, from that. That's just how I go about my business. And, you know, with even... We talked about Kansas City. Now with Los Angeles, um, our film crew out there happened to be uh, a director and a, and a producer that I had worked on a previous project in Los Angeles with. And after the Kansas City show came out and, and we won some awards in the festivals, um, you know, some of my friends and, and, and professional colleagues in Los Angeles called me and said, hey, what you're doing in Kansas City is really cool. And, you know... Uh, with all the, the the nostalgic, you know, architecture that Kansas City has to offer, and 
some of the history behind that and all yeah, the great yeah. professionals. Relatively, the people in Los Angeles that I knew were very willing to like take this on with no budget nice. or low budget. They're like, hey, you know, we think it's awesome out there. Imagine what we could do out here. Yeah. Nice. You know, imagine what we could do out here. Yeah, I have a, the other thing that always blows me away, especially when you get into web series and you're right, it's limited budgets and things like that, and it's calling in favors and trying to keep the production value high. How hard is it to choreograph the violence of the shows and the realism of the shows? I mean, they're pretty brutal <coughs> and fun, but you never, you never think it's a local thing that's happening. They look, they look intense. My first fight choreography, I was 11 years old. We were doing a talent show. And I, I recreated a scene from Rocky. The TV and, 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 and film and stunts and, and, and all that stuff, just they were always there for me. And that was my goal. And even though I was a songwriter and a singer, my end goal was LA, TV, film. LA TV film. And when I made that transition, it happened very naturally, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, uh, thankfully, I was, I was uh, able to um, see the bad very quickly, you know, in sure. the business, and, and uh, was befriended by several peers who, who helped me along the process of, hey, you might want to do it this way. I ended up having a lot of those friends, and that helped a lot, you know? I mean, it's funny, I know Sean. Sean's one of the nicest guys in the world. And then you see him, like, staging these fights, and you're like, oh, shit, crap, this is brutal. Yeah, and being a fan of, you know, being a fan of the action movies of the 80s and 90s, you know, mm -hmm. um, I just took a, a, a real big interest in, in wanting <clears throat> choreography for all these fight scenes and stunts or you know, car chases or fist fights or shootouts looked real, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, uh, whichever director it was, we got together, it was like, all right, how are we going to frame this up? This is what I see, you know, when I write this fight scene or this, this shootout. Right. And how do you feel about it? What do you think? And, and it ends up working out really well. I think because for the most part, with very limited budget, like you said, in my opinion, camera angles sells a fight scene, sells a shootout. It's all about movement. We've got visual effects, which I love, mm -hmm. you know, sure. so you don't have to use guns with blanks and, you know, all this stuff in that regard. Uh, and, and then on the opposing side of the violence, it's all reactions. You know, we, we did a drive-by, you know, in the inner city in Kansas City, the middle of the day. Didn't have any streets <laughs> permitted, blocked oh, wow. off. <laughs> Neighbors were coming out. Yeah, we had awesome. Real AK 47s guys doing mock drive bots like this. And I'm running house to house. It's okay. I promise it's okay. And because we had these guys in the front yard just, oh, they're dying. And you're just dying this glorious fast death. You know, it's like, well, do I get to pull a gun? No, just get up and die. You know, so, so it was, you know, the, the action stuff is, is definitely really fun to do. Um, there's a lot of safety involved, mm -hmm. or should be. Uh, sure, OSHA. You know, sure. Uh, <laughs> it should be. But, you know, um, for the most part, uh, we've been very fortunate to work with uh, top-notch people um, up to this point, and I'm sure we'll continue to uh, uh, attempt to make the best mafioso mobile series we can. Yeah. Um, Real quickly, just to touch on the multi-city, mm -hmm. why Kilimall, Kansas City, and now why Kilimall, Los Angeles. Uh, it follows the same story of the same main character and his same, you know, um, bewildered sidekick or friend. Uh, it follows Carson McCullough and his, his kind of peer or mentor, Quinn Flanagan, who's played by Richard Tyson. Um, uh, Richard that was, was actually a pretty cool episode. Actually. Yeah. And I knew him personally uh, before that, so I was. it, it was really fun writing. Um, what I wanted to do was, was, was know people well enough to at least write something that they could feel like they were doing naturally. 
huge fan of the uh, the Meisner techniques and the, you know the character acting and all that, and that's why I was such a fan of, of Don Cheadle and, and some of the other great actors that that go to lengths to get into character. To get into you know? character, yeah. and um, I knew with my limited casting abilities and talent <laughs> pool right. that I had to make the best out of what I you know, what I got. You and definitely I'm really have, happy for you uh, definitely for, have. for what I came up with at this point. You should be. Yeah, so for uh, everybody out there in podcast land, uh, you're talking about Richard Tyson who uh, goes along with you to uh Kill 'em all Los Angeles. For those of you who don't know the name off the top of your head, uh give you a couple of references you can go and you can YouTube it or you can uh, Netflix it he was the main bad guy in Kindergarten Cop actually and uh, he was the um, uh, I don't want to just use the word bad but maybe that's the best word this kind of bad detective in uh, something about Mary as well as several other projects so he's definitely uh, you know a real working actor and uh and to be able to pull, like I said, that level of actor into, like I said, a series that has no or limited budget has got to be a coup, you know. I mean, uh, the guy is extremely talented. He was a professor at Cornell, you know, wow. and people don't understand that. Yeah. Uh, a Shakespearean actor. Uh, just this past summer, LA, um, uh, the LA Weekly uh, did a, a story on him. Uh, as he was acting uh, as Atticus Finch in, really? the, in the summer play uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird oh, at, wow. the, at the legendary <clears throat> Beard Theater oh. in Topanga Canyon. Nice. Uh, and so the guy is a phenomenal talent. The, the Los Angeles show, thankfully, uh, we add to that cast. You know, we got Richard Tyson leading the way on our Hollywood talent, and then we brought in. Uh, UFC uh, legend and champion Don the Predator Fry, <laughs> who's been in some some movies as well. Big Stan, nice. Miami Vice. Nice, uh, nice. What is the movie? Uh, oh, geez, Public Enemy. Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah, in that. yeah, yeah. Um, from Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood, Pete Koch. He played the Swede. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was also a Kansas City defensive lineman. Wow. Oh. Okay. Uh, and a, a, an L.A. Raider. Nice. Uh, nice. Uh, and then um, we've got uh, uh, Tory Hart, um, for those that know Kevin Hart. Oh, actually okay. Actually, his ex-wife. So, uh, she's an actor as well. She's oh, in season okay. one. Okay. Um, with several others. So, uh, definitely expanding uh, to different cities. Nice. You know, um <clears throat> If we stayed on the mobile platform, the short series platform, it would be a goal of mine to, to franchise Kill 'em All as if it was like CSI. You know, oh. maybe there's a Kill 'em All Paris or a Kill 'em All Bali or a Kill 'em All Tokyo. Yeah. You know, because in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether or not it's Carson McCullough or someone else, it's all good versus evil. It's all revenge stories. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. all. The oppressed and the oppressors. Yeah. Nice. You know? And nice. so that's why I like to, to think the story goes in, in regards to storyline. And then we just use a common thread, you know, Carson McCullough or whoever else. Yeah. Uh, to, that weaves through all these different stories. All right, so we do have a little bit of interview footage that we're going to uh, drop in uh, for you guys in podcast land. With uh, Richard Tyson, um, this is Jesse uh, interviewing him with uh, a couple of the questions that we put in to our podcast every week. Uh, so you'll find out what he's drinking and smoking. And uh, and uh, one of our favorite sections of the show, uh, which we'll be getting to shortly, the shuffle. I think he actually also joins in the shuffle as well. That's awesome. The Loft Party Podcast tonight. And, yeah, Kansas City just wants to hear from uh, our uh, our star, Richard Tyson, who plays Quinn Flanagan in both Kill 'em All Kansas City and Kill 'em All Los Angeles. So, hi, Richard, from Kansas City. Hey, man. 
I love that challenge. You guys, uh, you introduced me to it a couple of years ago. We've been back and forth. We invited everyone to participate. Uh, but we also said, uh, you know, you might not be on there too long because your title is kill them all. So everybody uh, can be an extra for a limited amount of time. I don't know, man. I'm Perfect. So the, uh, uh, so the Loft Party podcast, um, Part of that um, show is uh, it's recorded at the um, Pendergast Room uh, and Pendergast Club uh, above the Majestic Steakhouse in Kansas City. Uh, everyone has a cigar to smoke and everyone has a drink. Um, part we've got a segment: What do you drink and what are you smoking? So, Richard, as a, know, as a, as a cigar guy, Richard, uh, what will you be smoking tonight? You know, my friends, I, I brought a couple cigars back. My friends, and we can't even identify what they are. I think they're from Turkestan. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, that's, that's great. I tell you, we'll continue to check back on with you and all the different cigars that you smoke. What are you going to be drinking tonight? You know, probably some uh, probably some bourbon, a uh, little uh, bullet or something like that. I think maybe I'll take a bullet for the team. Very nice. Uh, another segment, Richard, is we've got what's playing on your playlist. So if you're at the if, the, if you're at the beach, or if you're at the bar, or if you're at uh, uh, the gym, or waking up in the morning, or working out, what is on your playlist? What song do you like to listen to every day to get you motivated? Uh, the song uh, that motivates me every day is. Is the uh, oh beautiful for spacious skies for amber waves? I'm tearing up, man. I'm tearing up. A patriot, right? A patriot. Yeah, uh, I'm a patriot, man, and that doesn't mean New England. <laughs> uh, Richard, we've got a big premiere coming up for season one of Kill 'Em All Los Angeles, uh, which is the uh, carryover franchise series from the Kill 'Em All Kansas City show, where uh, we just follow Quinn Flanagan and his sidekick Carson McCullough uh, back to Los Angeles, and uh, where they've got to deal with a whole crop of new issues. That premiere is on Saturday, July 16th in Los Angeles. Uh, we hope to see you there. awesome richard thanks again and we will talk to you soon back from uh our interview with richard tyson and i think the anonymous female has a question for jesse so i i only got to see one episode which i absolutely loved thank you so i will be watching the rest of them it says on their award-winning series yes so what awards have you won okay um after shooting season one of Kilimall, Kansas City, 2013, where, uh, although it was once again uh, a web series, mobile series, uh, we had a red carpet event and, you know, private or public screening for all of our uh, web series releases. And when Kansas City, I'd said, all right, we've got a nine-week deadline from filming to editing to release. Nine, we got nine weeks to do this because. You know, once again, Los Angeles, it was, it was okay, uh, being on the set of CSI, for instance, seeing, all right, they got a four or five-week turnaround. And so that inspired me to kind of, and, and as the, you know, executive producer, it, hey, you know, if you don't crack the whip, nothing's going to happen. You know, if I don't set a date, it's never going to be reached. So, you know, uh, although the villain at times, as producer, 
of the show that you're also, you know, acting in, um, it, it got tough sometimes, you know, with limited and, and low budget uh, to make that turnaround. But we did, and I'm proud we did, season one. Um, then I took that series and, and, and entered it, rather, into various uh, film festivals. And a lot of film festivals don't even have a web series format. Uh, in their festivals. A lot of digital shorts, things like mm -hmm. that. But there is a couple independent web series festivals uh, that are out there, so I entered uh, uh, several of those. And, and, and one of those that we were selected for was the uh, LA Web Fest, which is the oldest and largest in the world. Okay. Um, nice. Started by uh, Michael Ajakwe in Los Angeles, um, who's one of the writers for several things um, but to you know for me coming from Los Angeles having peers like I had in Los Angeles going back to Kansas City to film this thing I wanted to legitimize our creation and and kind of verify validate that what I was doing back home although back home was the same or faster speed that I was working while I was in Los Angeles so I took it back there got selected um, I think uh, at the time this was 2014, the festival. We won uh, seven awards, producer, writer. We had a, a guest star, Richard Tyson Award. Um, we won um, best theme song mm -hmm. uh, for our intro song, uh, which was you know another passion of mine came from music. I wanted to be able to independent, uh, independently uh, promote one indie band. Mm, group or artist each episode. Gotcha. Just say, hey, you know, let's do this, let's cross promote here. Let's reach your fans with our series, we'll reach our series with your fans, you know, let's do it that way. Very kind of gorilla in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Um, and right off the top of my head, it, I, I forget. Seven awards we stacked up, um, and then we were uh, graciously approached by some. Um, some international uh, distributors that were interested in um, uh, broadcasting uh, the web series on a digital format in other countries. So then, of course, we had to go through the process of subtitling and all this other stuff. That's how that happened. Uh, then we came back um, award winners from that. And, and, and considering LA Web Fest, their place in history being the, the largest uh, and oldest, mm -hmm. we competed against 27 countries. There were, you know, mm -hmm. over 300 submissions, and you know, able to walk away with seven awards was, was that's nice. Pretty that's humbling, nice. you know, but that's yeah. awesome, but inspiring in the same to continue on the fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yep. what what's the eventual? Would you want to stay on mobile and digital platforms? Or would you prefer to have an expanded format where you're on a Hulu or Netflix or Amazon or something like that. What, what would you like to do eventually with the with the series? When I first created this series and the idea for the story and such, uh, I made a pamphlet. I made a brochure, you know. And this mm -hmm. is I was going to show a couple key friends and, and kind of a, a focus group, if you will, um, because I wanted to establish. <clears throat> all right, we've got a web series, so we've got short web series format. You can watch it on YouTube phone, your iPad, whatever. Uh, Bite-sized chunks, you're telling a story in 10 minutes or less. Um, I also wanted to then, hey, this web series gets picked up, let's do a longer show. 23 or 47, you know, let's do an hour-long show. Why? Because the story could support it, you know, so why not? So, yeah. of course, that's a goal of ours as well. Yeah. But it could also be a feature phone. Yeah, I, 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 I could I definitely mean, you know, see. Um, there's there's so see. many, thankfully, because of the digital age, I think we're in the modern day, you know, industrial revolution. Yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> with all the technologies that are going on. And with that, uh, entertainment falls into play very nicely with all these technologies. And, and, uh, and so... I used to drive back and forth to Los Angeles, Kansas City, Los Angeles, satellite radio. You know, you have over 500 stations. Well, sometimes I'd, I'd get the, uh, the Hank Williams show, which is an old throwback. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I used to listen to these radio shows like, well, the Hank Williams radio show is brought to you by Mother's Flower. So <laughs> that sparked an interest right there. Well, these web series shows could, could be, you know, uh, we could sell spots for advertising. We could be independently distributed mm-hmm. and sell spots for our own advertising to reach their demo markets. And, you know, we could do this, you mm-hmm. know, and, and because digital is so independent now uh, versus, you know, networks and studios and such like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no way that, that, that I could be convinced that there's not a future in just digital entertainment, regardless of how long it is, 5, 10, 23, 47 minutes. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's digital advertising in there that supports the goal. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for the most part, whether or not it's, it's kill them all on, you know, the web series platform or beyond, um, I'm very interested in, 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 in investing and going forward in whatever platform it takes. I just think, in my opinion, I just think the story's strong enough to last. Whatever format that, you know, it, it's, it reaches. Yeah. I hope I answered your question. You did, because I am very platform neutral and very story driven. And I think the story is always a good story regardless of the platform. Right. Uh, but you see and meet so many people who want to still be on TV or you know, sure. have these expanded episodes and things and, and Dave and I were working on a show recently and so you like there, there's a million ways to get your content out there uh, so we're very 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 platform neutral I was just wondering sure. what you were thinking about it too because you've been Kill <coughs> Mall is in my mind a real leader in this kind of uh, new format sure uh, yeah. and, yeah. and you know I, I uh, there's no limitation you know to digital entertainment yeah. in my opinion yeah, I don't and think, we're, I don't it's think kind so. of undiscovered territory mm-hmm. even to this day you know yeah. uh, everything has to have a beat every you know every story has to yeah. you know follow a timeline or, or you know um, however um, why not this story yeah you yeah. know why not this I mean story? as a songwriter myself you know it just, I was thinking about what you just said Chris you know it's uh you know, I'm I'm the same way. You know, I'm it's song first. If the song isn't strong, sure. it won't matter how you release it. Sure. And it's you know, it really is the same way when you're dealing with a visual medium. If the story's strong, it really won't matter if it's uh, if it stays as a web series or becomes television or film or or what because the story is strong you know you know I tend to be you know a little you know a little cynical because generally you know we're watching something and we can predict exactly what's going to happen and and so you get bored with something really easy but I found myself really you know really invested in the story of, of Carson and, and what he's trying to accomplish. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and, and that is a testament to how strong the story is, you know. And uh, so I was, like I said, I was, I was blown away. And like I said, I thought the, I thought the bite-sized formatting, I, I think the only thing that I could see that I was thinking that I would want more is that it just was more episodes per season versus uh, necessarily having longer episodes. It was just like, you know, I noticed uh, episode uh, season one was four episodes, season two was three episodes, and, you know, it just, it, it just made me want more, more episodes. Well, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. what you wanted to do. Do you, yeah. want, to leave, you want more? film them all at the same time and release them in shorts, or do you film them each separately. Um, and what, before you because yes. this kind of goes in, I'm just going to ask the question mm-hmm. for an eight minute episode how many minutes of film how, you know I don't think everybody in podcast land understands the, sure. the amount of time and what it takes to do just eight minutes. Sure. So how much time is invested in just doing an eight minute or a ten minute short? Um a lot, and I'll go into that. 
but to go back to a previous question, I feel like an idiot for not knowing. Uh, the awards that we won at the LA Web Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Director, producer, writer, best drama, uh, coast, uh, guest star, score, and theme song. So cool. Nice. Um, yeah, I scored heavy on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, right, do, you, do, you, uh, do, you, do you want to, and, and we may not have time, this actually may be a, a second interview, um, but uh, do you want to talk about your former life as, as a songwriter? Because I did notice uh, at least one episode uh, featured one of your songs. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, season one, episode two, Killer of Kate, the end credits yes. were a song that uh, myself, uh, at the time, um, using the pseudo-singer-writer uh, name, uh, Omey, uh, featuring that's uh, O-M-E out there in podcast land uh, look it up on iTunes O-M-E O-M-E featuring um, indie rap icon yeah the, <laughs> on the, the, on the big, Forbes list yeah Tech, Tech the, Nine, yeah, right? the <laughs> biggest selling uh, indie rap artist uh, period Period. Yeah, uh, Tech Nine. We yeah. we did a song called "Killer of Men." Uh, Tech and I had known each other for years previous, and and uh, had worked on um, some records, uh, and finally got to the point where, um, after fifteen or so years, I was venturing off in different styles of music, and, and just wanted to create something that I thought was cool. Mm -hmm. And so then we, um, I I came up with the. I got the music. Yeah. My uh, um, Michael Seven Summers was the producer of that track, uh, and then I wanted to write something that, then in turn, I feel like I could pitch to film and television. And the name of the uh, name of the song, the record was Killer of Men. Uh, we recorded, wrote, recorded in 2010, never to be released. Yeah. Until used in the, the web series. Okay. Um, we did, or rather, because I was such a big fan, a fan of the song, uh, mm -hmm. at the time, 2010, it was kind of the, the new transition of kind of uh, electronic trap culture. Yeah. Was, was beginning to show its face bigger and bigger and mashups, and I wanted to mash the song. So then I mashed it with a song at the time by Dead Mouse, which was uh, Ghosts and Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I did a Killer Men mash, a Dead Mouse mash, which cool. I think kind of got hijacked and bootlegged on the internet <laughs> mysteriously. <laughs> mysteriously. Allegedly. Right, yeah, allegedly. Um, but yeah, so um, using previous recordings that I had that fit the bill for the show, I was all about it. You know, yeah. or, or, or any other indie artist for that right. Uh, because at the end of the day, it was we want to reach the world with what we love doing. There we go. And so, you know, that was the end goal. Yeah. Um, I think that was pretty much my motivation through the whole thing. Did I answer? What was your question? How, how long do you spend filming, getting ready just to do an eight minute segment? What's the time frame for just eight minutes? I'd say. Well, we kind of know. So. Chris, Chris would probably mm -hmm. trump me on this answer. Coming from, <laughs> coming from uh, this sh short series format, mm -hmm. um, say it again, time, time again, my bank account, <laughs> right, right. we were talking for every seven to eight pages, 12 to 14 hours, you know, and a page is a minute. So for every eight minutes... Fourteen hours and just going right. Yeah, yeah. No breaks. That's a lot of work. Short lunch. Fourteen hours to just get going. eight minutes. Yeah, that is nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's a shit and hustle. Oh yeah, that's that's. Yeah. I would have thought it was longer. Yeah, you're. I, yeah, you're I, at, well, busted. at times I wish I would have had longer to do that. However, most of our okay, well, all of our <laughs> crew were volunteers. They, you know, and, and I really feel, you know, thankful. I, I'm pretty lucky in that regard, you know. Everybody was volunteering uh, to do this kind of never-been-done-before, blue-collar, badass 
web series called Kill 'Em All, and you know, and I confidently say that because uh, uh, I think that at the time I hadn't seen or witnessed anything that was going on like that. No, uh, in the area. So, you know, freshly back from LA with a with a fire, it's like, all right, let's go. Cool. All right. How many cameras are you shooting with? One. One. Oh God. Yeah, yeah, you were hustling. <laughs> you definitely, you were, you were busting your asses to get it. for to keep it in that kind of time frame. Trying to shoot. You wouldn't one, think just, watching the. We had two cameras on that, one episode. With Richard <laughs> Tyson. That was it. Wow. You wouldn't think that by watching it that you're only using one camera. No, I mean the Not production value is is pretty incredible. Well, so many movies are shot with just one camera. Yeah. Well, the vast majority of them. And the, the, only, Except, the only stuff that's shot multi-camera really would be television shows, right. traditionally sitcoms. But even beyond that, you're starting to see a lot of single-camera sitcoms like The Office or shows like that that have been done. But more than that, to me, as a guy who comes from the KSC production world, I think people don't understand how much production is done in this yeah. city. It is the number 31 city in the United States and top 10 in advertising production for sure. Uh, so there are a lot of really, really good professionals here who know what they're doing. I agree. Um, and travel the world, honestly, shooting incredible stuff. So the fact that those guys would volunteer their time for your show is a testament to how good the story is, how good the production is, you know, and everything you've been able to accomplish. So it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I think on that note, I think we've... Uh, Anonymous female, did he answer your question with that? Yes. Yeah, I think on that note, uh, we want to thank our guests for coming out and yeah. and sitting with us and telling us about Killam All, Kansas City. Um, I, I know that there are more questions that uh, that the panel would like to ask, and uh, and frankly, myself, but I think we may have to we may have to do this again one day, um, uh, one day sooner than later. Do do a follow up interview because uh, I I learned a lot, and I hope you out there in podcast land learned a lot too and i really do hope um you uh you go to youtube and uh look for kill em all kansas city and watch the two seasons that are up because there's been there's some amazing work being done and i and i really think that it deserves um to be viewed um and and like i said i really only get excited about kind of exceptional work and this is in my opinion some pretty exceptional work so let's all thank jesse for coming out yeah thanks for that. Thank you, Jess. which brings us to uh the uh next section of our podcast and uh probably our most popular which is the shuffle and of course the shuffle is uh in short um we're all going to go to our phones we're going to pull up a playlist um, we're going to hit shuffle, and the first song that pops up, we're going to talk about it. Um, and uh, sometimes the person who's doing the shuffle knows more about the group. Sometimes it's another panel member that knows more about the group um, or the song. Um, and I do want to add one more question because actually I got a comment from a podcast listener that uh, asked um, how did you um, come to you know fall in love with that song or that group um, because um, you know I think it does say a lot about you know it, you know it's, it's funny how personal a playlist is and uh, I think it says a lot about a person when you know how they even especially I think the some of the shuffles are surprising because you know listening to people talk you may expect that something's going to pop up and something altogether different pops up and it's super surprising and super cool and so you'd like to know uh how did they get into that group in the first place so uh i think we're going to start with dave uh if you're ready i'm ready all right all right so um I'm going to, I just, because we've been talking about him for the last two weeks, and, and I think one of the great, great talents that come out in the last 20 years. So here it is. Let's hope it's him that comes up. It is. Oh, let me turn the volume up. How the hell do you turn the volume up? <laughs> On the side. Uh, oh, that's right. It's the side. That's right. I got to turn down. 
called Mirrors is the name of the song. Yes. It's by a guy named Justin Timberlake. If you don't know who that is out there in podcast land. Great dancer, great choreographer, great, great voice, by the way. Great falsetto voice. And for a kid that started at Mickey Mouse Land. Married to a hot chick. Or he could be with any chick he wants to. (laughs) And collaborated with as many of today's modern great music creators that there is. Yeah, it's a great song. That's a great album. Actually, the funny thing about Justin Timberlake is, uh, you know, I think coming from the kind of boy band world, you you just don't expect that any of them are going to break out and become like just mega stars in their own right. But uh, but Justin Timberlake, you know, on his first album, you know, hooking up with. Um, Pharrell and Timberland and you know giving us Justified which produced you know a ton of hits and then really kind of reinventing the genre really with his uh, second album Future Sex Love Sounds uh, produced entirely by Timberland with uh, you know Sexy Back and 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 those and those records I still don't get tired of playing that album and then but this of course is off of uh, his last album, the 2020 experience, which um, oddly enough, so Justin goes in to write for the last Beyonce album, and you've got Justin, um, Timberland, Beyonce, Jay Z, and then a couple other people who dropped in. Um, you know, like Drake and a few other people who dropped in. Um, and so the, you know, last Beyonce album that kind of dropped and, you know, took everybody by surprise, uh, the last Jay-Z album, Magna Carta. Um, and it was actually uh, Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys. They own um, a luxury studio in, uh, in New York, which is where they ca- kind of all happened to be. Um, and uh, and then the other album that was created all at the same time uh, was Justin's 2020 experience, which literally and it literally is called 2020 experience because uh, the they did 20 songs in 20 days, and and that album came out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so just just the level of of brilliance and creativity that just was going on at that moment. Um, is pretty amazing because, like I said, every album that came out of those sessions was incredible stuff. And uh, so that's my two cents anyway on Justin Timberlake in 2020. Well, it was more than two cents. It was a nickel at least. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Are we shuffling, Jesse? Yeah. The song I came up with was by an artist named (coughs) Key Theory. Don't know if I know Indie, electronic sound. Okay. Um, the song is actually was written before Stand By Me oh, oh cool okay. uh, but now kind of re-recorded on electronic indie alternative you know vibe I kind of liked it uh, cool I use it when I work out sometimes cool So how did you how did you stumble upon Keith here? I actually saw his music video first, and the music video was so badass because it had a hot rod in it, and I'm a huge hot rod fan (laughs) in use of you know videos. And uh, he was ripping through the streets in this hot rod, you know, and obviously I think there were probably some GoPros used, so then I was breaking, trying to break it apart as a filmmaker as well. But it was a really pretty cool storyline, and um, and I just it, it just kind of gets you, kind of in a 
mesmerizing way. Yeah, know? yeah, just that, mm-hmm. just that so, little bit. I was really interested in, in in who this is and what else and what else that they they put out. So, yeah. So, uh, Chris. So this is the worst song I'll ever play on a podcast. But I'm doing <laughs> this as an homage to uh, the Kansas City Royals, the world champion Kansas City Royals. And although not my favorite song, I find it fascinating that a little girl from New Zealand sees a picture of George Brett and writes this wow. song. Yeah. And personally, I like Lord. Actually, I like his album a lot, actually. This is not one I can listen to a lot. <laughs> Good song. Yeah. Cooler story. There you go. Yeah. Sure, heroin. Yeah, yeah. And congrats yeah. to the Royals for winning last night. Uh, yeah. Home opener, beating the Mets again. And what was the score? I didn't even know. <laughs> four three. Four three. Four three. And and a guy booted for nothing going into the eighth inning, and then it ended up being four three. So out of out of curiosity, how did you come across Lord? Well, you couldn't miss it. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ubiquitous. <laughs> a couple of years ago. Well, as a fan of the Royals, I thought, you know what? There's only one night I'll ever play this, and that is tonight. <laughs> All right. All right. Anonymous female. What are we, what are we shuffling? All right. This is from the era when they had long intros. Yeah. <laughs> Great, great song, though. Do you know it? Oh, oh yeah. What today seems kind of odd. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, that is, uh, well, of course, out there in podcast land, that's Ice Cube. I believe that is from the Predator album, but I'm mm-hmm. not 100 percent sure. Uh, but about a, just a, a great song, man. Musician turned actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, huh? Yeah. But I say <laughs> tie, tying mm-hmm. in without even trying to tie in a musician turned actor. Isley Brothers. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. sample. Yeah, the sample. You can't. I don't know if I've heard one song with uh, with an Isley Brothers sample that just wasn't wasn't awesome. Like I think they're the easiest band to sample. They just have such a great sound, and uh, and that song in particular and video was uh, was super, was just super. I, I I I I love Cube's voice back then. His mm-hmm. just his his voice on records was amazing. Not not that his voice sounds much different now, uh, you know, but we're only hearing it from. From the big screen these days, but yeah, Disney movies will change it. Yeah, yeah I think those checks are a little different. Those checks are a little different. So, out of curiosity, uh, how did you get into Ice Cube? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that was all popular when I was in high school. Yeah. So yeah, true. my uh, not that it's something that you would most people when they look at me don't think I'm listening to rap, uh, but yes. Uh, did you uh, did you just because it was popular at the time, or did you back into Ice Cube because you liked something else? Or? <laughs> uh, you're laughing. You're laughing. You're make me say it. You're laughing, <laughs> but you know you know the story. <laughs> let, well, you let, know, Easy E was my favorite rapper at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I yeah. I guess you would say I backed into yeah. Ice Cube. <laughs> Boy, you should have known by now. Easy does it. <laughs> And which just leaves me, ladies and gentlemen, um, and let's see. Ah. So that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, is uh, 
young man, actually from my hometown, uh, Chance the Rapper. And uh, Chance's story is just amazing to me because, you know, we've been talking about kind of the power of independence and where this digital uh, age. Uh, oh, this uh, song's called Sunday Candy. Yeah, actually, I, if I could have let it just play through to the to the chorus, but because um, I think the chorus is great and it picks up in a, in a crazy way because there's a um, kind of a dance movement in, in, that's been in Chicago for years called footworking, and uh, so it gets so the beat kind of picks up into this kind of footwork paced uh, beat, and it's just a great song, but. Uh, What's the video look like? Um, actually, it's once again the kind of power of independence and how you do how you do film. So it looks like uh, a stage production, mm. and it's shot in mm -hmm. one take. Mm. So they they built set pieces, and so they've got you know you know people moving set pieces out of the way to make room for the new set piece and the sure. new setup, and and it's really cool. Um, so. Chance is an independent artist um, who has gotten really popular. He's actually done, at this point, songs with, uh, I think he's actually he's done a song with Madonna even. I mean, he's just, uh, and, he's, and, and he's huge um, kind of in the underground indie circuit of hip hop. But, you know, he's done like Lollapalooza and brought out, you know, huge acts, you know, just to, just be guests on his sets and um this album is actually his group is called uh is called the social experiment and uh so this album was called surf and it was put out under uh donnie trumpet and the social experiment which is one of the members of his band and um so this album was actually the first album released on iTunes for free and uh, yeah and so they released it and it got like I want to say 11 million downloads in a, mm. in a day Ouch. yeah like it's just <laughs> like, like, and that's what I'm saying like he's wildly popular but because he hasn't gone after like really gone after commercial radio you know mo a lot of people don't know him yet but uh, he's just wildly talented kid and, uh, and uh, I just you know, at this point, you know, touring and I mean, he's got like, you know, j not just merch, you know, like because, you know, every, you know, band has merch. But I, I remember uh, I remember looking at his website one time and he had a he had socks <laughs> that were uh, like his his album covers were like on like between the two pairs, the two socks. It was his album cover. And uh, and he was selling socks that were the for each of the album covers and along with T-shirts and uh, Letterman's jackets and just just stuff that I was just like this is really really interesting and and the fact that he hasn't signed a deal and hasn't sold an album yet I mean because it's all been streaming and touring you know so. Um, I just think his story is just really interesting, and uh, well, that just goes to, to to show you the 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 intense, aggressive, you know, mentality of an independent, you know, yeah. artist yeah. Uh, versus you know, staff writers, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 something yeah. like that, you know, yeah, and, um, and <clears throat> doing anything to let the world know who you are. Yeah, and I like the fact that you know that he actually has he really has a band. And uh, and his band is all pretty world class musicians and and songwriters themselves. You know his first mixtape I remember was called uh, Ten Day, which kind of blew me away because it was all recorded. Um, <laughs> the entire thing was recorded on a ten day suspension from high school. <laughs> and uh, and then his second album. That's what I should have done. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> And his second album was called Acid Rap, which, um, which was recorded with, with the band. It was, that was the first time I had heard him with you know live instrumentation under under him, and, uh, and 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 that was an incredible album. But I think the thing that struck me was it was a mixtape put out there for free, 
but you know being a musician you know we kind of watch the charts and just see what's charting and I remember one day I saw it it was charting and I was like how the hell is this album charting if he's not selling but it was so popular it was getting bootlegged everywhere and people were selling it in stores oh, no. even though <clears throat> yeah so yeah that's what I say it's uh He's just got a really interesting story to me. So, he I might like, regret that in twenty or thirty years. Yeah, he, he might. He might. I don't know. I mean, it's honestly like it's, it's you brought up Tech Nine earlier. It's not yeah. that different. Like they do sell CDs, so I won't take that away from them. But what they do is they tour their ass off. Yeah. They sell so much merch, and more than that, they retain all the publishing rights. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. And that's where the money is going to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's an incredibly smart modern. Uh, way to go about getting into this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we have talked about quite a bit today. I mean, I think some of our uh, pop culture things that we talked about were uh, were uh, were interesting. Uh, and we also had a great interview with our special guest this week, uh, Jesse Pringle. And uh, we hope that you go out and you watch and support. Uh, Kilimall, Kansas City, and soon uh, Kilimall, Los Angeles, that uh, will be coming out. Um, with that said, I think it's time to end the podcast the way we always do, and that is with the toast that started it all. And that toast is to good times with good people. <laughs>